0: From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the LPL Research Market Signals podcast. My name is Mark Sabiki I am joined today by fixed income strategist Lawrence Gillum. Uh, Lawrence, how, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing
2: well, Mark. It's, uh, it's a pretty volatile day in the markets, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about. But other
1: than that, can't complain about too much. Uh, in, indeed, it, we, we I think we could have say every day is volatile in the year twenty twenty two at least so far. Um, it, we are uh, recording this on on Tuesday, October eleventh. Um, for those who may uh, view this video or listen to the podcast um, after that date, so uh, recording uh, Tuesday, October eleventh, and, and we indeed, indeed have a lot to talk about um in terms of market activity we certainly have a lot to talk about in terms of uh, upcoming numbers this week uh particularly CPI and PPI numbers um and um also some you know potential you know Federal Reserve thinking that may be going on in Washington DC spe- specifically um, as folks from the IMF and World Bank Uh, gather in Washington, D.C. So before we get into that, um, taking a look back at the previous week in terms of uh, market activity, uh, last week started out fairly well for um, markets in general, particularly U.S. markets, um, based on some uh, comments, if you will, from the United Nations that the you know the that central bankers may in fact be going too far, which likely inserted a probability um, that central bankers perhaps could pause. I mean, it, it, and what I say, what I mean by that is that you know I think prior to that comment from the UN, um, I think the general thought from market participants was, you know, the Fed is going to go full bore, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and as we see some disjoint happening in capital markets, particularly in the in the UK and Europe, um, we, you know, people inserted the probability that maybe the, the Federal Reserve or central bankers could, in fact, pause or, or basically came to the notion that the probability that the central bankers pause um, is not, in fact, zero. So that's perhaps what we saw a little bit of early, um, early last week. Um that was that was followed up by some definitive downside pressure on friday based on a better than expected jobs number where we got you know the unemployment rate in the US fell from 3.7% to 3.5%. Um obviously what the Fed is doing in terms of it, its work is trying to impact the jobs market and 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 take some of the tightness out of the US jobs market that really has not yet quite come to pass uh at a, a sustainable level. So um some, some modest reprieve in, in markets globally last week, but generally just continues to be a weak market, continues to be a market that's that's impacted most generally by Federal Reserve policy and, and the expectations around inflation. If I take a closer look at um, fixed income, uh, Lawrence, this is your, your um, area of expertise, your wheelhouse certainly, so um, how would you characterize fixed income markets over the last week?
2: Yeah, it's been a it's been a rough market, continuing with with uh, rates higher across a lot of the different Treasury yield curve uh, tenors. But um, one thing I would point out is that interestingly, the high yield bond market, so the 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 most riskiest debt in the, uh, the the fixed income universe, had a positive return last year, whereas the safest uh, uh, fixed income markets, the Treasury Index, were down uh, a bit last week. So my reading it you know it looks like this is still a rate driven market and not a credit driven market so we don't see credit risks on the horizon uh that are that are kind of flashing any sort of warning signs and that certainly showed up in performance last week anyway
1: yeah certainly i mean it's 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 about the fed all about the fed 24 7 it's seemingly and and um and we talked, I think, last week about you know, the relative strength in balance sheets and, and, and much of the high yield space and the lack of refining, refinancing need there. So maybe some of that activity was was present last week. Um, in, in terms of commodities, generally a space that we don't like very well. Um, and we'll, I think we'll touch on the OPEC plus production cut, 2 million barrels a day. Caused a you know a spike in oil prices and 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 a, and a spike uh, in and natural gas continues to be relatively strong in terms of, of of its pricing lifted certainly the energy portion of the commodity index and also the overall um, commodity index in terms of uh, the Bloomberg um, benchmark. Last week we we certainly had a, a conversation around what was going on in in uh, in the UK around the politics um you know it, it's its balance sheet and what um, political leaders are doing in order to manage that you know some of the budgeting is going on uh in the in the UK and some of the consternation around that caused you know clearly some distress in the guilt market and also for the Brit- British pound um last week you know Lawrence turning to you on on this subject. Um, you know how, how how should investors think about you know what went on in the UK and and uh, and the guilt in the pound last week?
2: Yeah, and it's continu- continuing over into this week as well. And you know after Liz Truss's government announced the, this mini budget that uh, was uh, you know was going to cut the, the top income tax bracket for the the highest earners, you know the bond market reacted negatively, the the pound uh, reacted ne- negatively relative to the the U.S. dollar. Uh, thankfully they did walk back some of that that uh, announcement last week which did provide some sort of kind of recovery in those markets uh, but if we're looking at what what the uh, the gilt market is doing today and and yesterday in fact we saw another broad based sell off in the gilt markets where we saw you know 10 to th- to 50 to year uh, maturities up 25 30 uh, basis points over the course of a day uh, so there's still stress in that market. I mean, you could argue that this is a self-inflicted wound uh, coming out of that market. but you know, given the, the 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 rate hikes that we're seeing, you know globally, I think that plays into it as well. But um you know, th- this is an area that we continue to watch and and see if there's any sort of spillover impacts into other markets.
1: Yeah, yeah. um certainly not helping things in terms of uh, capital markets, uh what's going on in the uk. we we noted note here German factory orders. Um, basically, just a message around um, the, the the general weakening of eurozone economies. Um, you know, probably uh, we'll, we would add to the, to that distress um, coming out of Credit Suisse Swiss and other places. You know, make the eurozone um, not too attractive in terms of a place to put your money given the way we think of it as a strategic and tactical asset allocation committee. So still favoring the U S on a relative basis versus the rest of the world. I mentioned, um, OPEC plus cut, cut 2 million barrels a day. Obviously we're not going to look at an oil price chart today, but you know, what West Texas intermediate has in fact spiked up on, on that news. Um, the, the Bank of Japan continues to struggle with a a general weakness um, in, in the yen, um, and basically came out and, and said it was going to continue to fight that, that battle. Um, and, and then just, I think, almost to a person in terms of Federal Reserve policymakers out there making speeches, Lawrence, um, they're pretty steadfast. I mean, whether it's jawboning, whether they're the act, they're actually going to do the work that they say they're going to do. It's probably a little bit of both, but, you know, um, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty steadfast on their message. Are they not?
2: They are. uh, And, and, you know, we have heard from a bevy of these fed presidents, fed officials over the, over the past few weeks, frankly, since the the last meeting uh, about their commitment to continue to raise rates until inflationary pressures uh, come down, um, you know, 75 basis points is most likely going to take place at the next meeting, particularly after that stronger than expected, jobs report we saw last week. So I think, or, or we think that, you know, that the Fed is is going to continue at its aggressive pace until they get to that four and a half percent range. Uh, and maybe then they take a breath and, and see how their, their rate hikes are impacting the economy. But uh, frankly, we don't see any sort of pivot or, or pause in the near term just yet.
1: Yeah. And, and, and indeed, the, the jobs report on Friday didn't help us at all. Actually, you know, as a Strategic and tactical asset allocation committee. You know, Lawrence. I, I mean, I, I will look forward to the time where our our conversations are not, you know, are, are not really driven, you know, eighty percent of it by Federal Reserve policy and 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 actual in, inflation expectations. So uh, that that's something clearly we've been talking about uh, as a committee you know, throughout, you know, twenty twenty two. Continue to talk about that. Uh, because, you know, clearly that's driving the bus at at this point in time. Um, This week is actually going to be very interesting in terms of driving that bus. Um, We're we're going to get tomorrow and then on Thursday, uh, you know, um, respectively, producer price index uh, numbers out of the U.S. and also consumer price index numbers um, out of the U.S., expecting some uh, small recession in those numbers uh, for the most part. And we continue to expect those numbers to actually kind of come down in in fits and starts, but generally uh, trend lower. Uh, Retail sales um, also expected kind of give a, a look into how the consumer is feeling, how their pocketbook is feeling given uh, any Fed impacts that may have been felt uh, since you know, the central bankers started to raise rates, and then clearly University of Michigan sentiment on Friday will help us, you know, discern that as well. That's happening out out of the U.S. on the on the economic calendar. Turning you, Lawrence, on on another thing: uh, FOMC minutes, and we we clearly should have highlighted that orange because uh, it, it certainly is going to be important in terms of the mind of the market. Um, any expectations from you on what we could hear or read from the Fed?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of the same, uh, a lot of the same message that we've been hearing uh, over the past few weeks from Fed officials. Just the need to continue to raise rate until they see some sort of sustained uh, reduction in these consumer price increases. So, I'd be surprised if the message is different in those meeting minutes than it has been you know, over the course of the past few weeks. Uh, just, I mean, we, like, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, we continue to get a lot of fed speakers in in the the public these days so um I, I yeah i would be surprised if there's anything new in there but you never know i mean every once in a while there is a surprise and it does tend to move markets and that's something you know we will certainly be uh, paying attention to
1: yep and in, indeed uh, looking outside of of the us um what strikes me as interesting would be the uk uh, unemployment rate foreign direct investment out of china some industrial production numbers out of the eurozone um, which are always important numbers to kind of keep an eye on cpi out of out of germany and and the trade balance out of china amongst other uh interesting uh numbers you know for the week um again trying to make an assessment of economic conditions uh outside of of us as well as we do um in in the us so keep an eye on some of those numbers uh, this week that should drive some activity um, across the pond, if you will. Um, and as you mentioned, um, Lawrence, I mean, you know, Lyle Brenard and Charles Evans uh, were actually speaking yesterday and, and Laura Mester is actually speaking today. And that continued drumbeat of 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 Fed officials out there um, getting the message out um, to, to different folks. Interesting. Um, in Washington, D.C., where um, the IMF and World Bank are getting together for their annual meeting, which kicked off um, yesterday. I I haven't seen the Global Financial Stability Report yet um, today or or the World Economic Outlook, but two certainly flagship reports from the IMF that uh, will be interesting for folks to digest, especially as it as it relates to the global financial stability report. I'm, I'm actually very curious to um see what's in there and, and how uh economic thinkers at the IMF are really, you know, digesting um the monetary policy that we've seen. Um and then on Wednesday, FOMC minutes, as we mentioned, and Bank of Korea's policy de- decision as well. Any any thoughts from you, Lawrence, on as as Dignitaries, if you will, gather in Washington D.C. That some of the best thinkers in the world are uh, are supposed to be present. What what yep. do, What do you think is on their mind?
2: Yep, for sure. I, I did take a look uh, quickly at the, uh, the the financial stability report, and it's l- largely as expected. You know, I think a lot of these uh, global uh, finance officials are concerned about the pace of rate hikes. Um, you know, admittedly, they they think the uh, inflationary pressures are the biggest concern. Uh, so they they echo the the you know a lot of the other comments that we've heard from other you know Fed officials and other uh, you know finance officials that you need to continue to hike rates, but maybe not as quickly as you have in in the past. I think the the big concern is the fact that. Um, what, you know, th- these rate hikes that happen in the US or the UK or, or the Eurozone, they don't stay in those regions, they are, you know, th- impacting global financial uh, conditions. Uh, so the big concern out of the IMF and the World Bank continue to be focused on these emerging market uh, regions. Uh, so, there, you know, there is concern about increased defaults, increased bankruptcies, just increased financial pressures on these emerging market countries based upon kind of these these rate hikes that we're seeing here in the US and the Eurozone and, and the UK, etc.
1: Yeah, um, I mean it's a little bit of a dry read, but the Global Financial Stability Report is is an important one, and and especially now that uh, you see a lot of the central bank acti- activity and the conversations around that subject. As we mentioned, PPI and CPI this week, um, earnings season begins in earnest uh, as well as as some of the major um, money center banks uh, here in the U.S. and other. key consumer staples companies, um, you know, deliver their earnings starting this week as we kick it off. Um, What a kind of just pause for a moment again, um, as a strategic and tactical asset allocation committee, it's really all about inflation, all about the Federal Reserve, not that we don't have conversations around other issues, because we do. Um, But it it really comes down to the, the trajectory of inflation and what the Federal Reserve may or may not do uh, around inflation. So so this is a, a pie chart simply of the CPI weights and the variables that go in in the construct of, of U.S. CPI. Um, th- this is really interesting because we're going to show in the next couple charts that housing continues to be problematic in terms of its upward pressure on inflation but durables, non burl non-durables and services, less housing um, are beginning to decelerate in terms of the, the month over month or year over year inflation read as we get those, you know, those new monthly figures. Um, and and you know, so there's there's things that are going on under the headline CPI that are a little bit different, um, whether it's housing versus the rest of the makeup of the CPI. You can see some of that. Here in this chart, where you know non-durables looks like it's kind of rolled over, durables is clearly um, rolled over. The broader CPI number is, in fact, uh, the you know the black line. Services less shelter still um, still fairly strong, but we're going to actually look at a number that that indicates it it may actually be on the on the cusp of rolling over. Housing. Um, I I, just turning to you, Lawrence on, on, on housing, I, you know, I, I don't know that, I I don't know that we see, I mean, obviously mortgage rates are having an impact on, on housing and that's the, the, the expectation, but, um, is, is there anything in terms of the way you think about it, about, um, you know, what could come from this housing variable and how it could impact, you know, Fed Reserve policy, or how capital market participants think about um, housing and the CPI.
2: Yeah, for sure, and I think it is very important to kind of uh, break out these underlying components because, as you can see, they are moving in different directions, except for services, less shelter and housing. Housing is kind of a, a, a kind of a catch-all c- uh, category that's trying to capture rental prices and the increase of rental prices. Uh, so it's kind of it's one of those those categories that I mean, if you're a homeowner and you have a thirty-year fixed mortgage. That part of the inflationary uh, uh, prints aren't aren't impacting you. So I think you know, 65 of of uh, folks in this country have a mortgage or and are homeowners. So a big swath of of folks aren't ne- being negatively impacted by the increase in rents. So I I, I do wonder if the Fed is going to look through the increase in in housing or the rental uh, component there, because it isn't a broad based category like non durables or or services less shelter, uh, and and we do know that housing that t- tends to be a stickier component within inflationary uh, pressures. Uh, so we could see these elevated, you know, CPI prints, but the actual impact of these inflationary pressures aren't as, as high as maybe the, the uh, CPI print is showing. So I, I do think yeah. that they may look through that. And I think that's one of the reasons why the fed uh, the fed's preferred uh, inflationary metric is the, the PCE index, which doesn't have as much weight uh, allocated towards housing.
1: Yeah, I mean that that's a that's a real good point and and you know maybe we could we could play Federal Reserve central banker here just for a for a second and and begin to look at some uh, underlying um series data series that may inform how we think CPI is actually going to look in in the months, you know, you know down the road. So I, I just I just took a look at some of these price series that are really building blocks of of a CPI number. So import price index, producer price index, ISM services, business prices. Same thing for manufacturing, supply chain pressure index that that's put together by the Federal Reserve of New York, and, and what we just got done kind of talking about CPI owners equivalent rent, which continues to be on the on the high side, um, and, and we'll 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 wonder together when when that in fact is actually going to roll over. But looking at the other numbers, I mean you see in general terms, all of the other price series and in, in the indices really peaked around March and April. Um and there is a definitive deceleration in price pressures in all of those. So um Lawrence, the way I think about it is, I mean, we have seen some of the deceleration and inflation in the the US CPI year over year number. It hasn't been quite dramatic, but we we know here there's going to be a lag in seeing some of the import prices and producer prices as they sift through into uh, the consumer. Um, But I, I mean, I would expect based on what i'm seeing from some of these import prices producer prices and ism numbers uh for cpi to actually continue to decelerate because as these um as these other price series kind of roll over that's likely going to continue to bleed into the cpi number so am i am i off in that thinking
2: no not at all i i i agree with you as, as well i mean we are seeing improvements in these inflationary pressures across the board absent that uh, that issue that we just talked about with owners equivalent rent which does tend to be a, a you know a big category within that uh uh CPI inflationary metric uh so if you do see you know consistent deceleration of these price increases across all these factors and all these different indexes except for that owners equivalent rent which we do we know that it does it does tend to be stickier because you know rents st- are contracts and they, they you know a 12 16 month Contract, uh, so they do tend to stay stickier. Uh, but if the if the inflationary pressures are decelerating across all these other other indexes or other pr- uh, prices, you know maybe the Fed can say that you know they're they're getting the job done that they're close to uh, you know getting their their uh, their uh, the, get these inflationary pressures back to that two percent target. Uh, so yeah, I, I think there's been broad-based improvements, and you know certainly this this color-coded graph here is is a great way to show that
1: yeah it's 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 certainly curious as to as how central bankers would perhaps look through um into the the variables that that drive uh consumer prices and some of these variables we see here have already begun to roll over now they're not they're not back to where they need to be um but the directional change that we see here may be important for central bankers to to take into consideration. Certainly, if we look squarely at the Federal Reserve Bank in New York supply chain pressure index, that's, that's clearly been a big issue uh, in, on, a, on a post-COVID basis. So while, while we don't have a whole lot of good news to report from a general level of CPI, and we'll get a fresh number uh, this week, um, we are getting some good news from the, the building blocks of what could be a, a CPI number. So something to think about um, uh, as we move forward in the, in the months ahead, where we've said as an asset allocation committee that we expect the, the CPI to, to trend lower. Um, and some of these building blocks really uh, serve to um, uphold that view in, in terms of the way we think about it. Um, If if we move on to uh, your wheelhouse again, um, uh, Lawrence, and and, and just in general terms, from a macro perspective, uh, the Federal Federal Reserve, in terms of the work it's been doing, um, seems to be working in terms of, you know, financial conditions, because they're certainly not, you know, what they were immediately after COVID or immediately prior to COVID. What, What do you think?
2: Yeah, for sure. The financial con- uh, conditions indexes that we're showing here, there's there's a, a, quite a few of them, but one of them is the Chicago Fed National F- uh, Financial Conditions Index, and then we also show the Bank of America Global Financial Stress Indexes. These are the way to kind of measure the the transmission mechanism of higher rate hikes into the real economy. So uh, some of these these uh, indexes look at you know stock prices, bond prices, mortgage rates things that impact, uh, you know, uh, I would say a normal person on a day-to-day basis. The the goal is to tighten financial conditions to the point where, frankly, you know, consumers stop spending and businesses stop hiring and and you start to see a a slowdown in aggregate demand. Before you see that slowdown in aggregate aggregate demand though, that does tend to show up in these tightening of financial conditions. And, uh, you know, just looking at these two indexes, we've seen a pretty significant tightening of financial conditions uh, relative or on par, frankly, to a uh, you know a global financial crisis or a global pandemic, right? So we have we've already seen a big move tighter in financial conditions, uh, and and the the Fed that's why one of the reasons why we think the Fed is closer to the end of this tightening cycle than the beginning because we've already seen financial conditions tighten pretty significantly over the over the past you know six months, and that's that's uh, certainly showing up here in the in in the data.
1: Yeah, I, and and I think the the probabilities are are. Or material that the Fed, you know, has more work to do in terms of rate increases. But you know, we're pointing these numbers out, these uh, these financial conditions uh, readings, as well as you know, same import prices and producer prices, just to say that. Listen, the the Federal Reserve, uh, rest assured, is also looking at some of these these data series or all of these data series, and, and I'm I'm sure they're taking those into consideration as well in terms of. The, the amount of um, you know the amount of the rate increases they may engage in over the next couple months or the duration of those those rate increases. Um, as you said, Lawrence, I think we we think as a committee um, we think they're they're closer to the end certainly than uh, than the beginning. Um, and, and especially if we start to see a a CPI rollover and the PCE rollover continue, um, or perhaps accelerate. Um, then um, maybe the the Federal Reserve takes their their foot off the brake just a little bit more than than markets are pricing in uh, today. So um, that that'll do it for this edition of Market Signals um, podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you, um, Lawrence. Thank you for joining me. This week, um, folks, um, have a good rest of your Tuesday uh, and a good rest of the week. Thanks for joining.
0: This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate